Welcome to Brew Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. Right guys, welcome to another series of the Breathe Success uh, podcast. Today we have got Tyler Smith. Tyler is a bodybuilder and a business owner who lived for many years with chronic kidney disease. In 2018, he received a transplant to keep him healthy. This gave him the inner drive and the determination to create his own destination. 18 months on, he is now a two-time British champion and a European champion. So Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Hiya, thank you for having me. Great to have you on board. So why don't you, I'll give you a little bit of an introduction there, Tyler, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about you, um, where you've come from, just to tell them who you are. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I mean, I've always, I suppose I've been into bodybuilding and training for, I'd say the last 15 years now. Um, I was, compared to nowadays, I was probably quite a late comer to the gym. I don't think I stepped in a gym until I was sort of 23, maybe 24. Okay. Um, I wish I actually, looking back now, I wish I'd have started a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, But uh, the reason I started training, it was actually because of my brother, he bought, uh, it's quite relevant to what's going on now, to be honest, he bought a home gym kit and he had some dumbbells in his bedroom yeah. and everything else. And every day when he came home from work, he went upstairs and he was locking himself in his bedroom. He'd be up there for two hours, you know, and uh, I, w- I wasn't into it then. Yeah. And then a few months went by and because obviously I was the older brother, I was always naturally the bigger one. A few months went by and I thought, Oh, he's catching me up. You know, he's yeah, yeah. getting a bit bigger now. I was like, I can't let this happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I said to him, I said, well, you know, instead of instead of you doing this in your bedroom or whatever, why don't we go and see what um, what gyms are around? Yeah. And you know, we'll go and join one, and we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. So we did that, and you know obviously when you start training your body responds very quickly yes you know i i, I love the results straight away almost becomes quite addictive yeah, it's like you a know, drug you, isn't it it is yeah because yeah. things happen very very quickly you start you know gaining muscle where you didn't have it before yes uh, all of a sudden your clothes aren't fitting t-shirts are tight all yeah. this sort of stuff um and yeah and it, it was it was just a, a great feeling and then i remember at the time the uh, the gym that I trained at, there was a guy who he competed naturally, I think, um, but he just said to me, he said, you know, have you ever competed? I said, no, never. You know, I've not even thought about it. I think mm. I'd only been at the gym for sort of like a year, eighteen months. Yeah. And he said, you know, you, you should give it a go. You, you you've got a good shape, you know, good foundation, everything else. So I kind of thought about it, and um, you know, another I think another year or so went by. And I went to my very first bodybuilding show to go and watch it. You yeah. know, someone invited me along. I thought, yeah, I'll go along. Let's see what this is about. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose, quite naively at the time said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> I saw them all. Sounds very familiar yeah. to my own story, you know. Sounds, Does it? That's exactly what happened with me, yeah. Exactly the, the exact same thing. I used to, you know, Spike's gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. The old Spike's gym uh, when Spike actually owned it. That's where I started. And similar to you, I just started training. And then there was a guy called Dave Brown, uh, old school bodybuilder in his 50s. And he was about to compete. And he said, oh, you know, you should, you should do this. I'm like, what do you want about? What the hell is this? And then I, he showed me a picture of him in his pants. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you, you, you look weird. You got this. He was like proper, like pale. It, it was it normally. And then he had this tan. I'm like, how'd you get that dark? You know, being clueless about this whole situation. With yeah, of course, yeah. Because I'm competing in two weeks, but then you come and see me. And this was in Leicester, Leicester show. Um, so I went to see him, similar, similar to you, like, I can do this. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's where yeah, it started. Yeah, I saw, I saw because uh, obviously I didn't know too much about the different categories and everything else. And then, you know, a category that, because the guy who I went with, the category that came out that I would fit into, yeah. you know, he said, oh, th- this would be your class. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, Not yeah, a problem. yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then it was, it was, it was the, um, it was the British finals. I think it was like in 2009. Yeah. Um, and a year later in 2010, I was on the very same stage. Wow. So, so what, that was, what, that was, yeah. that, that, 
yeah, that was the first ever show that I ever prepped for. I did the, I think it was the Birmingham qualifier three weeks prior to it. Yes. Um, I competed as an intermediate. Um, that was that was bodybuilding that I was doing back then. And then yes. three weeks later, yeah, I was in the, in the my very first. How did you get on? How did you get on with that? Um, I, I placed outside the top six. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't make the top six back then, but. Yeah, but I mean, it was that was back when they used to split the finals over the two days. Yes, yes used to I have the, that. So, but I made it through to the Sunday, so I was top ten. So yeah, you were pleased with you that. Know, for, for my first time out, I was, I was so I was disappointed, but fairly fairly happy at the same time. Yeah, you never you're never happy to lose, are you? You know, it's it's always no, that. In the back, no. If you're a winner, in the back of your mind, there's always that thing of, oh, I want I, I could I wanted to do better, yeah. even though even though you knew you potentially wasn't there yet. That was, yeah, that was it. So, um, but as soon as I'd done that, I got the bug. Then yes. that was it. So when that, when that bug can... hits you, yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It just, it just yeah, that's it. Becomes a big snowball. Y yeah, it does. Yeah. So then I, I know the feeling. I think I competed the year after in 2011 and 2012. And I think I took 2013 out. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, I was, I was gaining weight. I, I mean, the thing was, I was always going to fit into the super heavies anyway. Because you're I'm, naturally you're, tall. I'm, yeah, I'm like 6'3". So yeah. for me to get my weight down any, any further, I mean, even now, even competing as a physique guy, I'm always sitting just over 100 kilos. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I compete now. But... Um, what happened was then when it got to sort of like 2014, I competed. Um, it seemed very, very difficult mm. for, and, and obviously, you know, I found out the reason why in 2015. But it, yeah, so I started I competed again in 2014, and everything was really difficult. It was like I couldn't get my weight down. I was holding a lot of water in my lower half, you know, and it was even get to like four weeks out, and I'm thinking my legs should be coming in by now. You know, because you start to learn your body of course, and when yeah. things happen at certain stages, you know, and I'm thinking, no, it's not coming off. So I'm doing more cardio, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm training legs in different ways and everything else. And I'm like, no, it's not, it just isn't happening. So um, obviously I didn't get the results that I wanted because yeah. obviously I, I, I looked poor on stage. Yes. You know, it doesn't, bo doesn't bother me saying that. I look no, back you... at the photo, look back at the photos now and I think, oh, no, I yeah. didn't look good there. Yeah. Um, and then the same in 2015, that was the last time I competed then. And mm. it was earlier that year where I'd been diagnosed with chronic kidney disease, which obviously explained all the reasons why I was hold, holding the water, especially in my legs, mm. um, you know, while I, while I was feeling tired and everything else. And then obviously because of that diagnosis, that, that prompted me to, you know, knock it on the head then because I of thought... Course. By by competing and putting my body through this, this isn't going to help the situation at no. all. I've got to try and prolong the the situation of my kidneys for as long as possible. Yes, um, because obviously when all this started, the 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 you know the doctors gave me the um, they didn't give me a timeline, but they told me that ultimately I would need a transplant. And obviously, when someone says that to you, you're like, whoa. Yeah, you know. yeah, scary. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, to begin with, um, you know, and I'll admit it now, I was in denial for yeah, probably for a, a couple of years. I thought, no, no they'll, they'll get better, they'll recover, it'll be fine, you know, um, and it's not the case. And I think as soon as I accepted the situation and realised what was going to happen, mm. that, was, that was the best thing for me then. Rather than... Yeah, rather than just trying to carry on as normal and thinking that everything's okay, I was like, no, do you know what? Everything isn't okay. Mm. We've, we've really got to look at this seriously and prepare for what is going to happen. Mm. Um, and then obviously, I, I didn't know what was going to happen the other side of the transplant. Of course, whether, of course. Whether I was going to accept it or whether I was going to be ill or whatever. I mean, well, one of the scary, I guess one of the scariest things of, of transplant is always the case of, that transplant not working based on your immune system fighting whatever for an object you put in your body right it is yeah and this, yeah, that's, that's, always, that's always the unknown of is it going to work is it not going to work is my body going to be able to accept this or is it not exactly and all that mental thing that you're going through in your mind of going through the operation and then after that to actually because it can take a while right it's not going to be overnight that accepts or doesn't accept so that must have been a tough no. that must have been a tough mental thing for you to deal with 
yeah it was and especially and because when I was in the hospital I wasn't you know I'm not in a room on my own I'm, I was on a special kidney ward but yeah I'm in a, a ward with uh, there was three of the guys you know there's four of us all in the same room um and it was like the uh there was a guy just opposite me who'd he'd been in for a while who he'd had his transplant done but he's he'd had it done i think it was two weeks ago and his kidney still hadn't woken up mm. you know it not kicked in yet so he was still having to receive dialysis to clean his blood and everything yes. else and yes. i'm sitting there thinking god i don't want this to happen to me of course you know um i, I was one of the lucky ones mine started working straight away brilliant um it, it did it took it did take a couple of months until yeah. you know its capacity so really it's supposed to yeah, because I, um, I, did, did they explain that to you? I don't know if they explained that to you. I, I've done some research into this before, any transplant. And typically what they do is they suppress your immune system, right? From, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they basically give you, what do they give you to suppress, suppress your immune system? Do they tell you? Well, it's a, co yeah, it's a cocktail of drugs. There's, um, there's one called, oh, it's Adiport or Tacoport. Are they, are they all stress hormones? Um, no, they're not. Because um, I've been told they what, give you stress hormones because stress typically yeah. uh, reduces your immune system capacity. Yeah. And because your immune yeah, system... Yeah, no, there's... Is, there's go on. Yeah, there's one... The, what the, it's basically to try and keep your white blood cell count down. Yeah, so that's... Because what, what, what it wants to do, right? It, from my understanding, is it, it's all about your immune system being weak enough to, not be, to yes. be able to fight this, to fight this uh, foreign object that you just put in your body so you can start working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, find that, I find that fascinating yeah i mean that, that's exactly what it's designed to do i mean the, the way that i sort of compare it to is if you get a cut or you get a splinter or something all the white you know the white blood cells in that area will Good rush work. to it yes. to fight the to fight infection, the infection. and fight yes. the foreign body that might be in your body that shouldn't be there because yes. obviously your body is recognizing absolutely that shouldn't be there and that's exactly what it's trying to do with the kidney so if your white blood cells which is you know a huge part of your immune system if they become too high you'll fight it off then it, exactly and then that's when you get cases of rejection because right. it's yeah. your body saying this should this shouldn't be here we don't want it yes yes in terms of um afterwards so you re the recovery process do you still suffer now with problems with your immune system now, or is it back to normal now? Um, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's back to normal now, because obviously they still have to keep my white blood cells very low. Right. Um, is that forever now? It is forever, yeah. The medication that I take, I have to take it every 12 hours, and that'll be right. for the rest of my life. Right. Um, which because of my hobby i don't find that you know a big problem you know with bodybuilding you're always used to Take taking vitamins or yeah, you yeah. know uh, essential oils or whatever whatever it day. is so yeah so I, I just have um like a pill organizer that's got an am and a pm yeah um and i, I have a, an alarm that's set on my phone just to remind me but yeah uh, you know i always remember anyway anyway it's just every 12 hours just it's to keep that constant flow within the bloodstream just to suppress it enough right. so that the white blood cells don't spike and then you know obviously sort of encourage a case of rejection then mm. Yeah, I didn't know. I thought it was just a short period of time, and afterwards, once it's accepted, it, it it's okay. But obviously not. No, no, it's it's not. It's something that will. It just continues forever. It continues for the rest of your life. And how how did that affect you? Apart from your bodybuilding, which you obviously were massively into, how did it affect the rest of your life when you found out you had this issue? When I found out I had the the, the kidney disease, um, it obviously made me a lot more aware of you know, things that I was doing in, on, a, on a daily basis. Um, I sort of reduced my protein intake yeah. just so that I, I wasn't, you know, th there are, there's a lot of arguments over protein intake and kidney damage, but yeah. I wanted to err on the side of caution and just lower it slightly because obviously yes. being, a, being a heavyweight bodybuilder, I was taking in probably, you know, more protein than I, I, I should have perhaps yeah. done so i lowered that down um i didn't really drink a lot anyway but i, I stopped drinking alcohol altogether yeah um because alcohol yeah, the the doctors will tell you alcohol for the kidneys is you know it's just pure poison yeah. to be honest of course, of course. Um, because your kidneys are there to filter any toxins 
absolutely uh, within your bloodstream so if you're drinking alcohol you're just making the kidney work harder. harder yep so i just looked at things that i could try and do you know day to day to try and make it last longer um but to be honest when i'd had my transplant done it actually made my life a lot better yeah in, in terms of what in terms of when when you have kidney disease and you get to a certain stage because they do it in five stages one to five five is obviously the end stage um which is where you require a, a transplant but when you get to sort of stage i'd even say three and definitely into four the fatigue on a daily basis is unreal really um just, just yeah all the I, energy out of you yeah i mean i was at the time uh, i was sleeping probably nine ten hours a night um waking up just exhausted feeling like wow. i'd only just gone to bed um because i remember at the time because i i wasn't going into work until later on i wouldn't get up until 9 a.m every day mm. uh, you know i'd probably go to bed at midnight and getting like nine hours sleep by three o'clock in the afternoon i'm falling asleep again wow the the fatigue honestly it just drained you i couldn't really walk very far without feeling tired mm. um I still went to the gym, you know, because I still wanted to train. But if I'm honest, at the time, it was more, I think, keeping up appearances than anything else. Yeah. And even do you know what you, I mean? Even for your mental state, sometimes you just needed to go and do something that you're so used to doing, right? Yeah, it was, you know, because I suppose to, you know, maybe the average gym goer, I was, you know, I, I still had a, a decent shape and, yeah. and everything else. And I think that sort of, that was my sort of silver lining, I suppose, that, yes. you know, my body hadn't completely deteriorated and I could mm. look in the mirror and still feel half happy, you know. Yes. So yes. That, that, that kept me going. But the, the day after that I woke up having my transplant, it was like I'd, I'd been given new batteries. Wow, just literally like that? Yeah, straight overnight. Because obviously I'd had like 12 hours for the new kidney to filter my blood and everything yeah. else and you know create the remove some of the toxins that were in there mm -hmm. and over the course of the next few weeks it just got better and better amazing wow it's amazing how it well and who was the kind person that uh, gave you the kidney it was my cousin how did that come about um well it came about because uh, obviously i'd been given the final yeah i think it was when my when my kidneys got down to i think it was 15 percent they were functioning at um they said you know we need to start looking at working you up for a transplant and they asked the question if i'd got any um family or relatives that were willing to be a live donor so obviously i mean i was close to i've got quite a lot of cousins but this one i'm particularly close to yeah um and obviously i just i put the question out there <laughs> if you know if yes. anyone would yeah would consider it and he, he stepped up straight away said yeah you can have one of mine and in terms of how is that is that affected his health in any way and his outlook on life it's uh, it's quite amazing because he only has to get checked once a year just to make sure that everything's okay when he donated his kidney to me his two kidneys were functioning at 89 percent now he's down to one. He, he actually got checked the other week. Of his one kidney, he's still getting 75%. Wow. So because what happens is, is the kidney that's, that's left there compensates. For the other kidney. Yeah. yeah, and it actually grows. Right. The body's um, an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, which mine does as well, because I, I've had a couple of ultrasounds on mine just to make sure everything's okay. And I think it was three months in between, and... On the second ultrasound, the kidney had actually actually grown half an inch. Wow! What's what's the kidney function on your uh, kidney? Do you know percentage wise? Yeah, my, mine's fifty percent. Fifty. Yeah, which no. you know, I'm I'm pretty, pretty happy with. Off, of off course, one. absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of um, long term issues as you get older, is there any any problems there? There's, that's why you always have to be, you've got to be very cautious with this. It's not something that you can take for granted because pe a lot of people think that getting a transplant is a cure. It, it's, it's not a cure. All this is, is it's something that, you know, can relieve the symptoms for as long as your body will accept it and as long as you can look after it. So the, the better that you, the better you look after it, the longer it will last. Of course. You know, there's some people that it lasts five years, but I've seen guys down there that have had their kidneys 40 years. Right. 
in the hospital, which is, you know, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so sure. it's a case of, you know, the things that I mentioned before, don't, don't do things that are going to potentially harm Alcohol, drugs. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. Kind of Any, anything that, anything that can enter your bloodstream that could potentially contain toxins or poisons or anything, your kidney has got to filter that through. Yeah. So you want to put, you want to, I guess, to reduce the amount of work that the kidney has to, to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously I continue with daily exercise because yeah. putting weight on or, you know, uh, making my blood pressure go too high isn't, mm. isn't going to do the, the kidney any good. So it's just doing, doing daily, you know, I don't think about it every minute of the day no, of course it not. Ru- because it becomes routine, but it's just yes. doing things that can preserve it as long as possible. Of course. Does it worry you a little bit in terms of the, that it could at some point stop working? or not really um it does but obviously i i take hope from the people that i've seen that have had it for a long time yeah and you look um, after yourself as the best you can right yeah that's it you know um and i think i think probably the biggest worry for me with this operation and having this one done was because i was still quite young uh, you know i was like i was 35 when i had it and i thought there's still a lot of things i want to do in life of course um, and i don't want this to stop me from being able to do it absolutely now if i could make it last 20 years and i needed another one i might have a different outlook on it yes because yes. i might think you know what i'm 55 i'm not really concerned about what i look like anymore yes, of course you know i'm not worried about walking down the beach Yes. shirtless and people yeah. thinking oh you know look at the state of him or whatever yes of course so i think i would probably have a different approach oh, to it mm. yeah exactly um but it, it is it is something that is at the back of your mind and that's why when you when i go for my um my quarterly checkups i'm always eager to know what that percentage is yeah and you know if it's a if it's a number it, you know it does fluctuate from time to time of but course. if it's a number if it's a number that i'm happy with it's it's a massive relief and it gives you a boost i guess to carry on doing what you're doing in terms of your lifestyle well it does and it's a reassurance to know that what you're doing yeah. is okay yes you know yes. if if it did start to reduce and decline again i'd maybe have to take a step back and think yes. right what, what, what is it I'm, yeah what is it that i'm doing that my kidney isn't liking mm. yeah so what, you know, from the point that you had your operation and everything, you came back to normality, at some point you must have decided in your brain that, you know, I need to compete again. Um, what, was that <laughs> turning, what was that turning point and what, what was, it, what was in your, going through your mind at that point? The, I mean, the initial thought was to not compete again, but the, my, I suppose my initial motivation and drive was to get back into some sort of half-decent shape. I think it was just to test the waters, to be honest. It was a yeah. case of, right, let's see what we can do. Let's see how my body reacts. And, you know, we can take it from there. Because I'd not really trained properly since the op for, I'd say, about three months. Hmm. Um, because of, obviously, where I'm operated on, it's sort of like just underneath my abs, sort of yeah. top, of, top of the groin area. Um, there were certain movements that I struggled with because obviously the area was really tight. So it was a good three months before uh, I sort of trained properly. But um, I think it was, I had, I had my operation at the end of March and I started training properly in August. And I said mm. to myself, let's see what we can do by Christmas. Let's mm. give ourselves four months, see what we look, by, look at by Christmas. And then if I can get in half decent shape, maybe we'll look at see what shows are around yeah, yeah, early yeah. next year and uh, my, uh, you know and i think it was because my body had accepted the kidney really well it responded well again it was almost like training for the very first time again really yeah it was because you know it, it's my the way like, that a new, compare, like a new lease of life right yeah the thing i compare that i compare it to quite often is you know people say well how could your body react so differently it's almost like if you get in your car and it's not you, you're driving along you think oh do you know this isn't quite running properly it's got smoke spitting out the back mm. and everything else it's almost like you've had to replace a part in that engine to make your car run properly again yes that that's almost like what had happened, what happened with me you? Yeah, there was something in my body that was stopping it from working at, you know, optimum capacity. Yeah. 
had the operation done and it was it just responded it responded how I wanted it to respond all those years. Yes. Um and I got to the Christmas, I got I, I got in, you know, fairly decent shape. I was quite happy with it. Mm. Um and then we said, Well, look, let's give it another two months to the end of February. We'll see where we are there and then we'll look at the shows for spring. And I I, com- I competed in my very first physique show in the April. And how did you find the transition from bodybuilding to physique? I, I, I always have, you know, I've always got a love for bodybuilding. I always yeah, I'm the it. same, yeah. Um, but as you've seen yourself, the way that the physique category has evolved over the years, you, you've only got to look at the Olympia line. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm those, those, those guys are stacked. Yes. You know, they, they've got shorts on that are skin tight now. Yeah, you, you can know, see the you, through the you, shorts. Yeah, you go back, you know, seven, eight years ago when it first uh, started. started and the guys, you know, they look like good guys who could walk down the beach and people yes. go, oh, he's in good shape. Yes. But now it's on a whole different level. Oh, so, 100%. 100%. Um, so I was, I was quite happy with the transition, to be honest. Um it's a little easier not having to pose your legs. True. Yeah, true. It's not as hard work <laughs> you know, up on stage. You, you know what it's like in that front relaxed pose. It's not nice. It. I know. No. <laughs> They're all cramping all over the place and you're thinking, oh my yeah. God, when can I get off stage? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and in terms of um, the transition to winning the titles, two British titles and a European title, um, what, what was your approach towards that in terms of previously when you were doing bodybuilding, and the approach, mm-hmm. the new approach, was it something different you, you were doing or is it pretty much the same things? Um, I'd never done it before. I, I changed my training split completely. I went to the push-pull legs system. Um, so I'd do push-pull legs day off and then I'd repeat it. And I found that it helped me keep a lot of volume in the muscle mm. um, because I wasn't necessarily... Um, breaking down a body part as much as I would in the bodybuilding type of training, you know, where you go in and train back chest. for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then next day you'll do chest for an hour. You yes. know, this would be sort of in a push session, I'd do, you know, chest, shoulders, and tries maybe in 45 minutes. Yes. So it was enough to stimulate the muscle, get, you know, get some volume in there. Yeah. Yeah, still break it down enough. Oh, you know, yeah, of still, course. Still lifting I'm a big fan weights. of push-pull legs. Huge fan. Yeah, so I, I, I trained that. Obviously, um, I'd reduced my protein um, quite a lot. Mm. Uh, what, yeah, did you go, what did you go down to in terms of protein intake? I, it, I sit at 180 grams a day. Okay, well, I, I, I'm a 160 a day, and I'm nine and a half stone. Yeah, <laughs> you will. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of, I'm sitting just over sixteen at the minute. Yeah, bloody hell. So yeah, it's quite um, low for someone your size. Yeah, I guess, I guess it has to be with your condition, right? Yeah, it does. But what I found was is that I, I don't necessarily need that much more to maintain the tissue that I've got. You've already built, yes. Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah, you can look at it that way. That by stepping down to this division, I came from a fortunate position in a way Absolutely. because obviously you don't really build a lot of muscle. Yeah, over the years I'd built up a lot of muscle, which I'd still managed to Keep. hold on, you know, hold on to a fair amount. Definitely. So, for me, it wasn't taking my body somewhere where it's never been before, which exactly. I think is harder yes. for people. You know, people who were trying to chase the weight and put the weight on, that's a lot more difficult. For, for sure. me, if if anything, it was trying to rein it in a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and not. Yeah, not sort of bounce back and go too crazy. Yeah. Um, so I did that. But then dieting was made a little easier because okay. by reducing my protein, I replaced it with carbs. Yeah. So that made so, it easier for you. Yeah. So I still had a decent carb intake. So even all through the diet, I had good energy levels, didn't really feel tired at, at many points. Brilliant. Um, you know, well, I even. When you got into show day, do you remember mm-hmm. what your calories were at that point? I did. I mean, to get the last bit of fat off, I did drop to about sixteen hundred for a few days. Yeah. You know, I think I might have even done it for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but I think my calories normally sit about two thousand two hundred. Even for... right now. No, right now I would. To be honest, I'm not a massive calorie counter. Okay. So how do you how but... do you, do you um, uh, manage your um, your energy 
deficiency, whether we're trying to lose weight or put on weight, how do you manage that? Okay, so it would it would literally just be an addition of extra carbs and fats. The protein would pretty much stay the same. Stay consistent, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But my uh, what I would do is at the minute my carbs are sitting at probably about three fifty a day. Okay. But what I would do is is as I go through the diet, they would drop to probably about two hundred at right. the lowest. Point. That's not too bad. You know. No, no. So even on two hundred grams of carbs, it's not bad. You know, where I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember as a as a heavyweight dropping down to like a hundred. You know, and when you're carrying that amount of weight around on 100 grams of carbs, (laughs) it's not pleasant. I remember back in the day, we're going back a few years when I used to compete. People used to put people that I worked with in the past, and I didn't know what I was doing, put me on zero carbs. Like, if I'm looking about that now, I'm thinking, bloody, how did I do it? You know, yeah, like I'm on 300 grams of carbs now, and I'm I I walk around with a six pack all year round, yeah. It's just, it just, it just makes you think like you did it, and it was something that you've been told by whoever was coaching you at the time. Yeah, you, of course. You know, you're paying someone, and you're thinking, okay, well, you follow what they say. But you look back now, and you think, what the hell was I doing? I know. <laughs> it's, it's madness, really, when you when you look back at your. But you know, you, I, I don't, I don't actually re- re- regret any of it because it, everything is is a learning curve, isn't it? You learn. Yeah, of course. From all these experiences. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're, we're sort of 10, 15 years into training now and I, I'm, we're still learning. Oh, you never stop learning. You never stop No, learning. you never do. In fact, there's things that I've learned and forgotten about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that people remind you of and I think, oh yeah, why don't I try? I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's not something that you do on a daily basis, right? No, no, of course it, not. Are you, are you, how long, so how long was it until you got working? Because I know you're working with James, James Llewellyn, right? At the moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How long have you been working with James now? Since my very first show. So it's I mean, been we, we, that day? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we have had a gap in between because yes. I actually remember when I saw you for the very first time because I... I uh, was that Daz's? Daz's, yeah. You yeah, were training yeah. with Daz at the time. I was, yes. And I remember I was training the other side of the gym and do you remember where he'd got the, um, the squat rack in the far corner? Yes, yes. With the mirror. Yeah. I remember I was the other side of the gym and you were obviously getting ready for a show. Yeah. And I remember you training with, with Daz, and obviously Daz was huge, and you were, you know, you, you were a smaller version. The little version. Yeah. And I remember looking across, and, um, and you always kept covered up, you know, you'd have a hoodie on or, yeah. or a jumper or whatever. I remember I you even standing do that now. Fr- yeah, well, yeah, I do as well. But yeah. I remember you standing in front of that mirror, and obviously Daz was going to take a look at you. You took your top off, and I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, that guy's shredded. To be fair with you, uh, for me, losing weight's never been a problem. I, I, yeah. as you know, I'm, I'm a very small guy. I'm five foot seven. I've always been pretty small boned. So for me, it's putting on weight. That's the hard thing. Mm, like, yeah. not, not in terms of, I mean, I could put on fat. If I want to eat, I could put on fat. But putting yeah. on good quality weight in terms of mm. good muscle mass, it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm looking now, I train now probably consistently four or five times a week. Pretty much similar to you, push pull legs. That's been my split for a few years now, and I love that split. And you know what? Building muscle now is just hard. I mean, literally, yeah. because I'm in a place, and I've been in a place now for about three years almost now, to where my weight hasn't really changed. It's mm. been pretty much consistent nine and a half, ten stone, nine and a half, ten stone. Yeah. I feel really comfortable right now in terms of my body. So I don't feel like I need to fluctuate. You know, back in the day, bodybuilding was you need to put on weight, uh, yeah. to put on muscle. No, you'd, I'd go from 10 stone to 13 stone, fat as hell. Yeah. And yeah. I'd, I'd feel horrible, you know, when at 13 stone. And you'd yeah. come back down, it was like six to nine months to get ready for a show. And it was hard down to zero carbs because I have so much yeah. body fat to lose. Whereas yeah. in the last three years, I literally have kept my body fat to a point. If I want to do a show, I can do a show in six weeks. Yeah. It, it won't take me long to get ready for it. And I won't kill myself either. Um, not that I want to do a show, but... Um, I feel so comfortable with this situation, and but it's, to build muscle is just hard now. I can't. I don't think yeah. I can build any new muscle right now. I, I just don't think I've got the brain for it anymore. Literally, I, I think, I mean, no. I mean, I agree with you. I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that I, as I've got older, my ability to put fat as put fat on as um, definitely increased. hundred oh, <laughs> percent. You know, I mean, I, I did it over Christmas. I gave myself a, a week off. I didn't train. I said to myself, you know, look, I've dieted for the whole year. Um, I'm just going to have a week. 
you know, just have a week off. I went up to 18 stone. From? Uh, well, I mean, like I'm sitting just over 16 at the minute. I think I was, I think I was probably about 16, 10 just before wow. Christmas. Brilliant. You know, I went straight up to 18 stone, but I'm like, I, I don't want to sit there though. Yeah, it's not comfortable. We, no, because it's, it's not a good quality weight. I'd rather exactly. sort of sit at, I'd rather sit at the weight that I am now, or maybe I'd say a stone, 14 pounds over what I would compete at. Yeah. Because yeah. then I know that, you know, like yourself, I could probably get ready in eight weeks. Yeah, and it's not going to be very not, difficult to get and there. And not have to kill myself doing it. Yeah. One of the questions that I, I always ask everyone that comes on here, especially for into training and bodybuilding, the majority of the people that I work with, I don't know about you, they're not bodybuilders anymore. I, mm -hmm. I, I used to work with a lot of bodybuilders when I first kind of started coaching because that's the world I used to live in for many years. Yeah. I've kind of gone away from that world now. I don't really care about bodybuilding anymore personally. Yeah. And, and business-wise, I've gone totally the opposite way. I want to help normal general public change their, yeah. their, their, their outlife, their view on, 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 on nutrition, on, on mm -hmm. health, and, and just on well-being overall, because I think that's more important than having a six-pack personally. Um, yeah. And have you gone down the route of working in more general population or are you now still coaching a lot of bodybuilding uh, clients? It's, it's, a, it's a mixture of both. What, okay. one, of the, one of the big things I like to do is try to, it's one of the problems that I come across more than anything with people and it's people's lack of motivation yep. and, and people's lack of belief. Yes. And what I find is, is that so many people put barriers up and hurdles before they've even tried something yes they're already telling themselves in their mind oh well i can't do that yes. and i can't do this and what i love to do is try to motivate them and then use my own story to say well you, why can't you do it yes you know yeah. you're you're only saying you can't do it because your mind has already told you that you can't, you can't do, do it. it well yeah it's, it's all in here it's all it's all to do with the mind uh, of course it is, yeah. I don't know, uh, the previous podcast I did with a coach called uh, Dan Smith up at M10, and uh, we're talking about psychology and mindset a lot. Mm. And, and this is, is the biggest barrier for most people. Um, and I wanted to ask you that question. So what, apart from you telling your story, and say, look, I've been through this and I'm still able to do it because, you know, but what I find is people like me and you, and most bodybuilders who compete, they, 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 it's, it comes to them as a second nature in terms of, adhering to a diet, going training, going to do the cardio. It, it just comes to second nature. That's what we do, Yeah. right? So for us, it, it's, it's on overdrive. We just do it. Yeah. For the general, general population, that's not the case. They haven't got that drive. They haven't got that why. You know, to, mm. They don't see what we see, I guess. And yeah. it's, not, it's not a problem. Uh, it's just what it is. So how do you overcome that in terms of uh, with your client? What is it that you kind of, do to help them get through that those situations i think what it's what it's doing is is it, the biggest challenge with anyone to begin with is they've got to want to do it yeah if they don't want to do it then you've got a massive problem straight away mm. you know because i don't want to be one of those sort of army drill sergeant types of pts where yeah. you're cracking the whip and say no no you know 10 more 10 more that mm. that's not the way to go because then people aren't going to enjoy it of course but what you've got to do is you try and dig down you know wherever it might be and find their reason for wanting to do it absolutely and then make them realize that okay now we've found out what you want to do now we're going to explain how we get there absolutely and the best way is to not overwhelm people totally by agree. saying right you've got to do this and we're going to change your diet and you've got yes. to do cardio and you've got to totally train five agree. times a week because straight away you've lost them then absolutely yeah so it's just by incrementally bringing in tiny bits yep. into their daily routine yep the you know, I mean, it's like, it's, you know, just going back to myself quickly, I, I'll still do an hour's cardio a day now. And people say, well, why? You're not competing. I'm, I'm like, no, because that's become part of my life. It's your habit. It's a habit that you do on a day. Yeah, it's, it's a routine. If I don't, if I don't do it, I feel, feel comfortable. wrong for not doing it, yes. you know. So, and that's what I just try to do with people is just try to bring in something small. Just, it might be a week at a time, two weeks at a time. However long it takes, right? exactly until they're used to doing that on a yep. daily basis and then yes. we bring in something else and you know it's, it's like the same goes you know 
another brick in the wall. Yeah. Well, it, I, that's I, all it is. I personally think that's the best approach as well. It's the approach I try and take with most people. Um, the issue that, I've, that I come and see a lot is people want results now. So when we and you take that approach as a coach and say, look, we're going to take one step yeah. at a time, this may take two years, yeah. depending on their starting point, right? So yeah. it's, then, it's then sitting down with someone and explaining to them, look, we're going to do this slowly so that you, that you can consistently do this for the rest of your life, not just a quick thing. Yeah. However, you can't expect to have results in eight weeks. No. <laughs> but unfortunately, we live in a, in a world right now with social media where eight-week transformations and 12-week transformations, all that is put out there, and people are now expecting to, to achieve the same thing. Yeah. And it's just not the reality for most people. No, so you've, you took the words out of my mouth. And that's the problem with people because they're being exposed to this all the time. You can give someone a plan or, you know, a training routine, a diet regime, whatever. And they'll come back in two weeks and they'll say, well, nothing's changed yet. <laughs> and I'm like, well, do, well no, nothing will change yet. No. You know, it's like you, you've got to give it, at least a good four to six weeks to get the diet into the system, get yeah, the routine, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, we do. We we live in a in a time now where people want to know, you know, well, what supplement is it I've got to take to, you know, to shortcut to where I can where I want to go. I was having this, is, I was actually having this conversation. Well, I, I've got I'm coaching a, a group at the moment of people, and I, I do a video for them on a daily basis. And one of the conversations I had on that video was the pyramid so the pyramid you've got at the bottom energy balance which is the most important thing and then it goes to yeah. macronutrients micronutrients mm -hmm. and then it goes to to the right at the top supplements that's the, yeah. that's the last thing we need to think yeah. about we're not going to stop asking me what vitamins to take first of all let's find a place where you can actually stick to eating a certain amount of calories that's going to get you to your goal that you can yeah. consistently do it before we even get there we're not talking about supplements that's going to be the last thing that we're going to talk about yeah. Um, but people straight away want to know, they want to stop from the top to the bottom. Oh, yeah, forget, do, forget yeah. the diet. Can I take a supplement that's going to get me there quicker? No. Yeah, Everybody exactly. wants to, yeah. it's madness, isn't it? But it, it is, and every, everybody asks the same question, and I do everyone. the same as you. I, I just say, no, we'll talk about that later. We need to get this nailed down first. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so where are you right now in, in your life in terms of obviously this whole situation? You've now won a few titles. What's your, mm -hmm. what's your thought process in terms of the future? What do you want to get to? What's your vision? Well, when I did, um, when I did my first show uh, last year as a physique competitor, because um, obviously I'm still being coached by James O'Ellen, yeah. he said to me after the show, he said, you're going to do a pro qualifier this year. <laughs> I just laughed. I was yeah. like, no, I don't think, you know, I went, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm telling myself, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't doubt myself, but I needed to prove to myself first that of course. I was worthy enough of doing one. So I did another show after that, won that, and then I did the the PCA Europeans, and I, and I won that. You, were, I actually said going into the Europeans, I said, look, let's see what happens with this before we decide what's going yeah. to come next. So, and then, you know, I was fortunate enough to win the, the PCA Europeans as well. Um, yeah. And then I took a break then. So then I started looking at shows later in the year. Um, so then I did the, I did the two bros British finals. I qualified for that the day before I did the last qualifier, did the British finals the day after I, I won my category, went into the overall, but I missed out on the overall. They only give one pro card out. Yeah. So um, then I went into the Amateur Olympia a month later. And to be honest, out the whole year, that was probably my worst showing. I was just a bit stressed out the whole... Oh, there was... I think there was 500 competitors overall wow. on the day. That was, that was only men. Wow. Over three categories. Men's physique, classic physique and bodybuilding, 500 men. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just in my height class, there was 32 um Crazy. so but at, but at the amateur olympia i managed to place fourth which That's considering good. yeah i was quite happy considering you know yeah. I, I think the the guys who finished first and second were from france um there was a guy from romania there as well you know it's a very good quality physiques yeah you've done um, out of 30 odd people to get fourth especially after what you've been through i mean that's amazing mate yeah, so, you know, I was happy with that. And then it was the week later I went on to the PCA British and I won their British as well. Amazing. So it was, it was upon reflection of all that had happened last year 
that I said, okay, I feel like I'm good enough to be in the mix with yeah. some of these now. Yeah. Um, so all I want to do is I just want to aim for a pro qualifier because my ultimate goal would be to become an IFBB mm. pro. And get on the Olympia stage. You, well, yeah, we, let's do it, but again... One step at a time. One step at a time. I'm probably like you. I, I like to break my goals down. Yes, Definitely. we have an end goal, but we need smaller goals in between. Absolutely, without a doubt. All of us need that. It's good to have a good yeah. long-term vision, but you need to have small steps to get that, to that vision first, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, the ultimate goal would be to Olympia step on stage. an Olympia stage one day. Yeah. Um, but before that, obviously this year, before all this kicked off, a couple of weeks before, and I did um, the first two bro show of the year where I won my class in the overall. Yeah. Um, but by doing that show, that whenever things get lifted, that entitles me to do any pro qualifier around the world then. Brilliant. So that's once the next this step, is, I guess. Yeah, that's the next step. So once this is lifted and they release a new calendar, I will look at what shows I can get ready for and um, I'll just go and do a couple of pro qualifiers. So in terms of your training right now and your diet and your approach, I guess you still got in the back of your mind that you could compete at any time after this is finished? Yeah, that's it. That's why I don't, I don't want to let myself go you yes. know, too far. Um, yes. If it was a case of, you know, look... When, there isn't going to be any shows until next year yeah. i would probably allow my, my body to carry a bit more weight yes um you know let the weight creep up a bit so i can push a bit more weight you know when mm. i'm training and of whatever course. but you're suffering a bit of a surplus yeah but the way it is at the minute i'm quite happy maintaining you yeah. know the, the way i am i don't have a, a problem with energy or the way i feel or anything else you know right. i can live per perfectly normal and sort of sit the way my physique is if you uh, got any advice to give to anyone after what you've been through, any bodybuilding mm -hmm. out there or any person out there that's going through what you were going through without knowing that you had a kidney disease, what advice, yeah. what advice would you give to these people? Okay. <clears throat> I would, obviously, the biggest thing and is very relevant to the, the times that we're in now is you cannot take your health for granted be vigilant with what it is you're putting in your body you know get tested where and you know possible if you can do get a regular blood test even if it's just every six months you know ask you ask your doctor for one it's just nice to have that peace of mind that you know everything's okay you're healthy health is more important than anything well, you know we we can have we can have the best looking body in the world all the money in the world whatever it is means nothing about your health Exactly, you know, so that is that's number one priority for me. You've got to look after your health. After that, everything else can fall into place quite easily. Mm. And it's just about developing the right plan, getting the right advice, speaking to the right people, and be patient. You know, there, there's that's no the short, thing, exactly, there's no, I, I say this to people, there is no replacement for hard work. Nope. There's no supplement that is going to replace an hour's cardio. You know, there's no pill that's going to replace an hour in the gym. Yep. You've got to put the work in. Absolutely. I say to a lot of people as well, what you, pri what you practice in private, you'll get rewarded for in public. 100%. Yeah, that's great, great advice, really. Um, yeah. to, finish, to finish off with, Tyler, I've got four pillars that I live by. The, the health, okay. number one, what we just yep. spoke about. Wealth, love, and happiness. These are the four pillars that I live by every day. And I try and have a bit of a percentage of, uh, uh, in all of them to equate, yeah. to equate to 100%. I try not to have too much in one, too little in another, yeah. because I feel that way I'm, I'll have an imbalanced life. Of so course, yeah. I always try and balance those four as much as I can. So it's all, always a, a stable line. Um, so yeah, that's I'll, a good way of looking at it. What I want to ask you is, I want to ask you what your what does success look like to you in all of those four pillars? So if we're starting with health, what does success yeah. look like to Tyler in health? So for me, would obviously be for my kidney to be functioning at an acceptable level and to be, you know, free from infection or disease in any, any other area. If, if I can look after my body in that way, I'm, I'm, I'm totally satisfied and happy then, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. In terms of wealth, what does success look like to you? For me, um, 
I'm, you know, I'm in, I would say quite a fortunate position. I work for myself. Um, uh, you know, I've got some good savings behind me. I, I don't, it, it might sound contradictory, but I don't aspire to live in an eight bedroom mansion, yes. you know, and have 10 cars on the drive. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other things in life that you know, I desire more, more than that. Um, if I can put good food on the table, you know, and live quite comfortably, then that's, that's good for me. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and then we've got uh, happiness. What does happiness look like to talent in terms of success? Happiness is, I suppose happiness is a combination of the first two. Yep. As well. And the fourth one that you're going to mention. Love. And I think it would probably be if well, I've got an even balance in the other three. Yeah. Then that would be happiness. Then, yeah, I'd be happy then. Yeah. That's exactly what, how I live by. So for me, it's about having um, a balance in the wealth bit, in the health bit, and the love bit. If you've got those three, pretty much you exactly. are in a place where you're happy, right? So what does success look like to you in love? Because when I talk about love, I'm not just talking about your relationship with your close, in terms of your wife or your, your missus. I'm talking about love yeah. overall in terms of your life, where, uh, with, with your family, friends. What does love look like? What's success to you in, in terms of the word love? It's um, yeah, and I'm I'm very lucky in the sense that I've got a very close knit family. I mean, I've got a very small family. There's only my brother and my mum and dad. Yeah. Um, but for me, and with friends as well, it's it's loyalty. Yes. It's knowing that someone's going to be there for you. You know, if you need it to support you. You know, I was really lucky when I went through my operation because I, I moved in with my mum and dad for. Uh, three months mm. um because uh, you know i did well because what they do is is when um when you have your operation done they ban you from driving for six weeks right so but i had to go to the hospital three times a week so Your obviously parents, i need i needed my parents it. to take me back and forth and you know it's things like that but then for me it's being able to repay that as well absolutely you know I was always brought up, treat people how you want to be treated. 100%. You know, and, and for me, that's, that's, re- that's really important. Yeah. Well, you were definitely a testament to, to perseverance and, and, like, there's tough times that are going to happen to all of us in life. It could be through a health issue, it could be through financial issue, whatever it might be, someone passing away. The, the key, I think, is, you know, we can get through this, right? It, it yeah, all comes- never give up never give up and you you didn't and look you can come out on the other side now you still want you're still winning titles you still got goals uh, nothing's really uh, impacted you that badly even though you went through quite an ordeal with all this situation with your kidney so you know i think the message that people can take away from this is never give up on anything even when things are looking pretty bleak yeah exactly and if you're not happy with the situation you don't have to accept it yes you, you have the power to change your life more than anybody else does. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think that's a fantastic thing to end on. Tal, I just wanted to thank you for taking your time. No, to, I appreciate uh, it, mate. Thank chat, you. Chat with me today. It's been lovely to chat to you. I've known you for a few years, but we've never been actually had a conversation like this before. Uh, so it's actually quite nice to have a chat. Hopefully we can keep in touch. Um, yeah, definitely. When all, this whole quarantine thing is finished, I can come over to your gym and you can come over to mine. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. We can get some sessions in, fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. That would be cool. But listen, I wish you all the best with your health. I hope, I hope you'll keep that kidney for years and years and years. And, uh, you, win. <laughs> yeah, and you, get, you get to the Olympia stage. But as long as you're healthy, that's the main thing. No, um, I appreciate it, mate. And obviously, I wish the same back to you as well. Thank you, buddy. I look forward to speaking to you soon again. Okay, buddy? You Brilliant. stay safe. Cheers, and, uh, I'll see you soon, buddy. Take care. Thank you again thank for your you, time. Mate. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Bye.